0: Welcome to the Stories, Our Soul Food Podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press.
1: Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees, I fell.
0: Met a ghost of a king on the road. Here we go. Welcome to SES. <laughs> okay.
1: What are we talking about today, Brian? Well, you know, it's The same episode... thing we do every night, Pinky. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's an yeah. animaniacs reference for all of you uh illiterates yeah. out there pinky in the brain yeah fantastic i've stuff. never even watched it but i know
0: it that's sad yeah get I on that ben- your kids would love pinky in the brain i consider that that's really all we need out of this episode is one recommendation people can take to the bank
1: the original pinky in the <laughs> brain um <laughs> I I met it in college and, and thought it was hilarious. I didn't really get to know it again until we rented a stack of DVDs back mm. in the day for a drive to California. And I played Pinky and the Brain. I think my kids got enough Pinky in the Brain in that like 16 hour drive that they don't need it. it they don't need it again. <laughs> like they want <laughs> it was great. It was great road trip fodder. And then it's almost a vaccination level. They, they, yeah, they have <laughs> they have some references. Now that they have with them for always. And I don't think anybody's ever asked to watch Pinky in the Brain again. Uh, but if you dole them out and, and yeah. smaller small bits, amounts. Yeah. maybe watch with them. I, I don't remember. There's so many of them. I'm sure some of them have some some tackiness. I'm sure yeah. we skipped some episodes, but right, now, so much. Now you're there. having the on-air qualification for a recommendation. Always. Uh, every recommendation, always take responsibility. Parents. Yeah. yeah. Uh, don't rely on a podcast to raise your children.
0: Well, I mean- It's interesting to me that I think it's just things get worse as they go on. You know, my kids enjoyed the first many seasons of Ninjago, but the latest one, I was like, I'm not going to be showing that to them. Oh, man. Ninjago Ninjago got really old, really fast. Then I realized at root, it's just our fundamental problem of you become your true version of yourself. And that I'd been catechizing my own children (laughs) with that storyline. Yeah. So I had to, you know addressing it of what it, what's the good part about this? And then at the as, as they, as, you know, find what about you makes you, you. It's um, like, wait,
1: we've been ingesting a lot of trans fat. Mm-hmm. Should we find yeah. a better cookie recipe? Yep. <laughs> yes, and, we should. Yeah. And we're
0: like, it's all right. We can, you can eat the, you can eat the cookie one time. But uh, I was realizing, yeah, that's <laughs> part of, I think the saving mercy is when they watch that show as a really young kid, as they get older, they think of it as like that, they're like, oh, the that thing of my youth. Yeah. They're like, that was pretty that, dumb. I don't that folly like that of, anymore. That folly
1: of my youth. Yeah. That's... So they're
0: ready for picking the brain is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Just, just stole them out. Watch with them. Yeah.
0: So for episode 125, I actually was hoping to to dig deep. I uh, My oldest son is reading Percy Jackson. I'm reading it along with him. Okay. and And I wanted to just kind of talk to you about it because I really don't like it. Oh, this book. And, and I think, but at the same time, I can see how... It fits right in the genre that followed on from our Harry Potter conversation. It's your genre as well. Yep. And it had a massively successful movie, or I guess, you know, 225, I think, million
1: worldwide. Not enough to make another one. So it wasn't big enough of a success. Yep. Cut that in half. Cut that money in half. For production? It just, theaters take half of it. Oh, okay. You know, so... Then start then start looking at marketing spend, production spend, everything else, and is it is it actually worth it? And then now yeah. now there are some pretty large streaming deals and global streaming, and yeah, you know, there's there's plenty of. So Disney's making a series of it. I think I saw.
0: Saw. So like, yeah, I'm
1: sure they're they're, so they're they're recycling everything they can recycle, and yeah. and what could they utilize that old carcass for? You know, they could carve it up into a series. Yeah. So. But back when it was theatrical, uh, then you'd had a second window on TV and other stuff. Now theatrical is better than that, you know. So if they got two twenty five now in the box office, that then triggers uh, some high value streaming rights deals mm. that then could break them even and make money. So I wouldn't. There are some movies that people are are bringing back out again. they they're starting to be remade or, or seen as tenable now mm. because of the nature of how streaming deals and the pay windows on those streaming deals are tied to box office performance Mm. and not to your profitability. See, I was going to pick your brain on it
0: because that story of how it happened, it's kind of a classic author versus studio situation. He's renowned because he published several of the letters that he sent to the producers because he hated everything about the movie version of his book.
1: But this is a dude who's packaging, repackaging the exact same books with right. different gods and changing yeah. genders of characters and yeah. just I mean this Became, is I know, this, this is what's interesting to he's me He's not a stalwart artist.
0: Yeah. And then and then he what he hated about it too. Very interesting to me that he was saying, you know, no, some good lines about how there are the things I liked, but other than that it was a utterly terrible, please rewrite it. Fans will hate it. It'll fail. I don't think it did fail hard enough to justify him, but would do you think it did just that they didn't make another one? so they aged the heroine or sorry, the hero up from you know middle grade to seventeen
1: yep, that's standard, pretty standard okay for a lot of reasons
0: and then I was gonna ask you why, and they also aged language up quite a bit, so used a number of cusses that he hated because he was like I just love families and I want kids to feel safe watching my movies and
1: yeah but he he is like an LGBT warrior now
0: yeah he then he goes
1: and adds trans characters in his later books yep so it's It's, it was
0: interesting to me to watch that look back on it and and just see someone so unaware of what they're supporting right
1: (laughs) I, I think the the nature of the age up that happens yeah. Is it's really the na- the nature of laws and unions and everything else. It's really, really expensive to shoot with minors. Mm. Like extremely expensive. And, no way. Okay. And so if you can cast anyone over 18, it simplifies your life massively. Uh, that's for starters. Uh, part two. It's weird when people are putting posters of kids who are 13 on their walls. Hmm. You know, it's like, it just, you don't get that. You don't get the same fan base. You can get like all the 13 year olds. You can get them all to completely fan out about an 18 year old. It's, and you can get 16 year olds and 17 year olds and you can get everybody. Hmm. When you're, when you're releasing a massively expensive thing, trying to hit that. I mean, Maze Runner did the same stuff. Age, yeah, age, age it, it up. I yeah. then try to you know pull everything in. It's very rare that anybody can pull off what they did in Harry Potter, where you actually cast a kid and you're committed to sticking with that kid through their natural growth cycle as a human. So you're using... So that's
0: actually pretty impressive then. Yeah,
1: it's actually really strange. Um, and, and the, the fact costumery that they, would have helped a lot, I think, for yeah, Harry Potter. So but they like, also got started with Chris Columbus, and Chris Columbus is always like worked with kids and not had a problem with that. He's, he's been right in that genre. So gotcha. when he was casting Harry Potter one, yeah, he was committed. He was thinking about where are they are going to grow? What are they going to look like when they're, eight, when they're 17? Cause the rhythms of sequels and so on are, are, is incredibly difficult. And when you don't know which direction they're going to grow. So you think about stranger things, they cast those kids and now stranger things too, and like, ah, the voices are changing. Like height is massively different. And yep. even reshoots for when you go look at reshoots where they have to pull characters in, these kids are growing like weeds. And <laughs> you know, they don't just stand still. It's actually really logistically difficult. And then you have to hire tutors and they can only work so many hours. And you know, they're all, like the rhythm of the set, everything's different. Um, okay. and it's a little different for TV. More people have pulled it off with TV than than big feature franchises. Mm-hmm. But if you think about uh Having to take a kid, and having this be their life for four or five years—if you've got a significant, maybe six—if you've got a you know a, th- a three a three feature right you know package—it's not a surprise that they try to age up so that we have, you know, an established character and we know this is what he looks like. Yeah, this is what he looks like, and he's going to look like this next time right. and next time and and so on. But anyway, right. with with Percy Jackson, I thought they had to age it up. I didn't think they had to add the you know the cusses and everything. Um, my, but that you—they you, they
0: basically would have been looking at this like it's too much of a risk to do the Harry Potter treatment on the younger, and we can still make a movie with him functionally the same age if it's successful. Yeah. So, but so the
1: thing about Harry, the Harry Potter books, you know, Harry is eight
0: in the first book. Yeah. Is that isn't right? He, he, isn't he just like, t- or does he just turn? He's super young. No, this is yeah, yeah, very young.
1: Yeah, very, very, very young. And so when you're, when you're trying, you can't, you just Ten, can't. 10th Ten. birthday. Ten. Yeah. 10th birthday. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, I'm trying to think of like when they usually ship off to boarding school over there when they're hoity-toity, but. Right. Young, young. So he's 10 years old at the beginning and then we're going to get him all the way to adulthood. So, I mean, it would have been really difficult to say, hey, we're going to have Harry Potter book one. He's going to be 16, but he's going to be an 18 year old playing 16. That's. Uh, not going to work. They were, they were committed to one particular system. Gotcha. Um, but it defined their lives. It absolutely it did, defined yeah. these, these actors lives. It's what they did growing up. Hey, do you remember when we were growing up and we were playing Harry Potter year round?
0: <laughs> like that's, <laughs> yeah,
1: that, I mean, it right. absolutely defined their existences. Yeah. Um, and that's just the nature of that kind of production for a franchise that starts that young. So I, I get it. I, I would try to do that with ashtown you know if we were doing an ashtown movie i would try to have 18 year olds you know i would instead of having them i would try to age them up a couple years yeah you know not a ton of years but age it up a little bit and just for the logistics of it it makes so much more sense um do you also feel like
0: it's a tough ask for a child actor is that part of why you'd want to do it or is it just just lowers the level of difficulty on that execution
1: it's like I mean,
0: it, cuz to me it's one of those things where you're asking it's almost like if someone were to come up and ask you would you do a reality TV show about your family you'd be like no like yeah. a, a similar thing would you invest your 10-year-old to be well, the star or I of mean this the franchise? conversations we
1: had of would I be willing to have cameras follow me through a basketball season right it's like the kids i i actually back for years and years um let me throw some shade on the current rhetoric teacher at NSA <laughs> 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 um <laughs> uh He didn't institute this, but for years I absolutely forbade. Word of the day, forbade. Uh, I absolutely forbade any filming at all in rhetoric declamations. Oh yeah, like just. And I, zero. I continued that rule because yeah. when you were, when you took it yeah. over, because you want it to. You want the screw ups to be over when the door closes and you're and you're leaving. You want to have a place where people can train and push and reach and grow and mess up right and the stakes are actually limited to the moment they're not gonna haunt you at your wedding reception they're not gonna haunt you years later when you lose a job because you gave a declamation that was moronic you know when you when you were a 18 year old kid and you get up and you say stupid things and then i get up bad stuff yeah. (laughs) yeah and i get up and say you know you're being an idiot like let's refine this let's improve this and then we have a conversation. that's over, and somebody's learned, and they've moved. In periods of growth, everybody should be free to like mess up, to try and fail. Yeah. And so, it was really important to me that there be no documentation of that. I would not want a reality show. A hundred percent, no. Mm-hmm. You know, a hundred percent, no. I mean, I wouldn't even let my kids have social media. Um, right. You know, it's like that's you forbidden until. Yeah, I was like, I told him it was my gift to them. Oh, with the older three. I've got with Seamus, I have a kind of like a partnership, you know, social media. Mm-hmm. He's not really on it. Um, mm. you know, it's like, but there there's like we have we have access to the same he has access to the same Twitter account that I do. You know, he has got access to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's his like his basketball Twitter account. Okay. But he's not he's not just living on social media. He's not posting, he's not, mm-hmm. you know, uh doing anything except for communicating with me about it. You know, it's like we actually. It's kind of like a coach coaching him through it. His older siblings, I said, you can have it when you're 18, but you will not have my gift to you. Is you will not have any social media footprint before the age of 18, because why would you want to set all that in concrete? Yeah. Like why? If I'd had it when I was 15, 16, running my mouth, it it would. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's much better to run my mouth and have a conversation with my dad about how I'm wrong and how I could, you know improve or be more thoughtful or or get straight rather than having posted it for the internet for all of time yeah and i feel that way about kid actors too the sacrifice is hard to quantify yeah so i mean really Dan- hard. I mean daniel Rad-
0: radcliffe's career you know we've watched a movie you know a good movie with him in it later but it does feel like for many years he's trying to Operated in yeah. a space where he's it's difficult not being thought of as Harry but, Potter. But
1: even for so, when I look at my kids, you look at somebody's going to high school. There's there's four of those years. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched three of my kids lose a year in COVID, mm-hmm. and just lose twenty five percent of their high school experience, and it was a massive loss. Like it was a significant loss for them, mm-hmm. and it was, you know, it it was. To scale, i say it was probably the biggest loss for my son and my daughter as upperclassmen. Um, my second daughter losing, I think it was her freshman. It might have been her sophomore year. It was still bad. Um, it was significant, but not as. Uh, there's very few of these. There's just very, very few of these. Yeah. Um, I only have so many more family moments with semi-adult kids. Where we all get together and everybody's intelligent and fun and having a blast and they're all pals before they all go off and start their own families and and all that starts to to happen. Uh, those moments are pretty fantastically valuable. And when they're 22, it's kind of like being 23. It's kind of like being 24. Yeah, yeah. The elementary school years, like you can kind of get into a groove of like, hey, we're good at this. We're good at having elementary age kids and then people start hitting middle school then high school and you straddle the stools and you get better and better at it but then suddenly everybody's kind of in that phase like when they're all in that elementary school phase you can get into like hey we're all here together this is great Mm -hmm. and then when you're you know in the upper phase you can get a little adjusted to it taking those away taking those years away for a kid is a massive massive Thing. sacrifice it's a huge sacrifice yeah it is a disproportionately large sacrifice to to take somebody's 14 year old year 15 year old year mm. away from friends family and have their friends and family uh just be crew and co-actors and then yeah. suddenly now you can't have any normal relationships ever again because the movie's out and you're famous and so every one of your peers mm. Like, every one of your peers who meets you, there's no normalcy there for you. Yeah. And, you know, like, you can make friends who've been in the same situation, the same circumstance, and there are others. But it's not, you know, it's not a normal thing. And to, to sacrifice, that is just big. It's just really, really big. Yeah. And uh, bigger, bigger than we can imagine. And it's, it's not to say that it's never worth it. It's just a huge cost. So, when you're asking a 19 year old to do something or an 18 year old to do something, it's not as big as when you're asking a 13 or 14 year old to lose a year of their life. Yeah. For a story. Right. And especially when you sign them up, how about lose six years of your life? How about from 12 until 18, your existence is going to consist of this film franchise? That's, it's kind of a, just a massive, massive sacrifice. And one that is a little unnerving. Yeah, it um, is. I mean, I think to ask of somebody, of course,
0: reminds me of the King Richard movie with tennis and doing something similar where you're devoting your uh, child's life toward a particular cause. I think it's kind of exploring that. Yeah. It's exploring that question of
1: like how how much of a sacrifice is worth it. for- yeah. yeah, and I've got friends who were child actors, and yeah, you know, and have been actors for a long time. Um a buddy who is on a Disney Channel show and can't really walk a block on a street with him without it being a thing and having to stop and yeah. somebody just being weird, like somebody <laughs> just being weird at him, like they know everything about him and because they they peered into his uh his job, like they peered into his childhood job, like you know you maybe you mowed lawns right. <laughs> like, <laughs> But if everybody's with you, like through all of it, they know or think they know everything about you. Yeah. Um, So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty strange. And the worst part is if they're right, if they do actually know everything about you, if everything about you is available (laughs) to be known by strangers, that's not. (laughs) That's scary. That's (laughs) not great.
0: It's interesting to me. This is, I think, one of the themes of our podcast is that we don't often think about our years as things that we're spending. And I, th- right. and I think that that is a theme we come back to regularly on this podcast. And, and I, even our children as parents, we don't usually think, all right, I've got a, you know, with me, I have a fifth grade year to spend for my son. You know, I have to help him spend yeah. his fifth grade year for the first time. Yep. And for the first time, last time. Yeah. That's he's Hopefully. got one. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully one. Sure. He could get two, but, <laughs> but uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know what, how, how did you guys approach that sort of spending of a childhood year? Is it just, is
1: it, oh, we're, any big, particular- we're big in it right now. I mean, it's, yeah. And we're right at the tail end with two high you know, schoolers st- still at home at home. Yeah. One eighth grader, uh, rising oh, okay. eighth grader, one rising junior. And, you know, I've obviously coached my son, mm-hmm. um, coached my daughter. Who's now in college and coached my son and I'm both in track and have coached my son in basketball. And as I look at opportunities and I assess opportunities, and what i'm going to take and what i'm going to do part of the cost i'm counting is track season and basketball mm. and it would take a lot like a lot for me to miss that okay and it's because there's there's just a couple like for my son now there's two more he's he's got two more mm-hmm. and that's it and and i can invest with him and be there and build and in and, and help try to build him into the guy he's going to be for the rest of his life And there's a clock of how much time I have to invest uh, in this relationship with him, uh, in this pursuit, in this physical discipline, physical, spiritual, emotional discipline, and all this leadership training that he's in. Like, I've got two years left. If I took one of those off, like to take one of those years off. and Still lose 50% of the time. (laughs) Yeah, 50% of what I have left with him before he's in college and I'm supporting him in a different way. So yeah. it's, it's not like, oh, it's a death, but it is a, it's a permanent loss of a moment and recognizing the, re- <laughs> you're going to make my wife so sad with this, yeah. <laughs> with this, but these it, comments. <laughs> no, this, is, this is how you value stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is how you put actual value on it. And it's also uh, really important that you look at the, don't, don't look at the ones that are gone just yeah. in, yeah. In, the, in the moment that you're, I mean, savor them. But in the moment you're in, like I'm sitting here right now and I, it'd be really easy for my wife and for myself to get wistful about, oh man, when he was in third grade, Mm -hmm. right? The wisdom comes when you can see the present from the future. I've said that before here, try to see the present moment from the future.
0: Oh yeah. No, you, yeah. About buying and investing and where do you want to be? Where does your family want to be? Try to see
1: the present from the future. And Then as as far as that goes, if I'm sitting here looking back at my son, my son's going into 11th grade and I'm looking back at his third grade year. Okay, great. What am I doing? I'm looking at a a present moment. That was the present. I'm looking at it from the future. Mm -hmm. So here I am in the future now looking back at that moment. And I can learn from that, how I look back on that moment. I can learn from that to project how I'm going to look back on the present moment. So It'd be really easy for a mom, for a dad to look back on the little kid years and be like, oh, they were so fun. They were so adorable. This is hilarious. Realize you're going to feel the exact same about this moment. Yeah. This moment also is on the conveyor belt. It's also going by. And you will also be in the future looking back at this moment. And I'll be looking back at my 16-year-old son when he's 30, when he's 25, and be like, oh, man, that was (laughs) such a great time but it was just it was just over like that it was over so fast yeah and and he's great i love you know love being with him now i will say i'm sure when he's 25 but i'll look back on the this present moment as this incredibly valuable thing that went by too quickly Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah and so to really invest in it and to be aware that there was only four of them i only have two left um yeah is you know it's kind of important it's kind of important there so if somebody said, "Hey, we need you on the other side of the world," you know, for nine months, um, it would there would need to be so much money involved that I'm I'm talking like private jet money, <laughs> so that I could be home a lot, and so they could be there with me. Yeah, you know, it's like it would it would yeah. need to be extremely game changing, stupid money to even think about it uh because i'm in a phase of my life when i can't and i think i think parents do this too much like way too much when parents overthink about their lives as primary characters and think too little of their lives as secondary characters mm. and so the va- my value as a secondary character in the in the lives of teenagers massively outweighs my own quest and journey as a primary character so if i'm thinking about my arc and what i'm trying to do there's a baton i'm handing there's a generation i'm raising raising the next generation that right there is a is a huge huge deal so you're almost saying that
0: with the opportunity that we have right now is you know we're established as adults in some yeah. sense and i think you're right the temptation is to be constantly thinking about your own career and your own moves yeah as opposed to these other people who are in a far more formative time
1: yep and i would say when you have little kids you build, 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 you know, like as fast as you can. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna have a second life when they're not little. Yeah. <laughs> and there's plenty of people in the yeah. world do the flip. So tons of my friends in the industry, uh, New York and LA, both publishing and film, they do that first life without kids and marriage. They delay marriage and, and having kids forever. Mm-hmm. And they build, 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 build. They do their thing, they become they become who they are. And they they build whatever they're gonna have achieved. And some of them have done this well, and some of them haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, they build what they're going to achieve, and then they get married, and start having kids, and then they just kind of operate at their their identity, who they are, and what they've they've accomplished at that mm. at that point. And they try to juggle, you know, whatever. Yeah. But the other the flip is, I got married when I was 22. You know, I'm I'm 45, and I've got three kids in college, and one going into his junior year. There's this there's this thing that's going to happen as they become who they are like and they just are that person and we have a relationship and we have a rapport and they're building and they're taking the baton from me to go be the the young strong agents of building yeah that i can go write novels and do things and you know i'll i'll hopefully be around for years on my porch creating content when the yeah. when the business of handcrafting humans is no longer the front burner like they have been crafted they are who they are and i have a different role in their lives um and a different relationship so for my older three you know that's close to done (laughs) yeah it's it's close to done now i I, it's not done yet right you know but it's it's getting there and i don't want to act like there's gonna be this cutoff moment But there's, well, they're just they're just just, going to be on the journey of sanctification and being growing as adults. But they are adults, Um, and they're equipped with whatever I've equipped them with. So they have whatever equipment I've I've given them, whatever I've been able to bestow on them. They have, and they're going to be utilizing that in their lives. There's this young phase. The value is is just very, very, very different. Yeah. And this has looked uh, in my life. This has looked crazy sometimes to people. Like
0: really, really crazy. You mean the focus upon parenting rather than career building, or, or yeah, uh, and the focus, the, yes, and the, the, the focus, refusal to make the sacrifice unless it's worth it—that
1: kind of the thing? refusal to make the sacrifice. Um, the focus on of uh, the construction of childhoods, mm. like the yeah. creation of childhoods, like that kind of focus. Um, taking my kids. Uh, My nieces and nephews were my oldest son's absolute best friends. Mm -hmm. Like, just they were besties, little pals. When they, this is all in death by living, or not in that way, but the, you know, the big adventure is when they went and lived in England, we tried to get over there way more than we could afford. Yeah. Because it was a moment. And it was, these were his best friends, his cousins, and we wanted to keep that relationship, you know, really profound. And then, when i had a uh I had a book deal, we looked at you know we kind of looked at the total amount, and we're like, "Hey, let's spend this much on doing something crazy with the merkel in england we're gonna let's go over there and we're gonna ask I asked my sister where they wanted to go. They wanted to see Rome before they came back and like, okay, so like we're gonna fly over, like pick us up in the seventeen passenger van and we're gonna road trip Europe with nine little kids yeah, um yeah, part of that that is performance art. Like it's <laughs> the whole, the whole commitment to it was like situational performance art, the same way that I was uh, able to come up with the concept behind collision with Christopher Hitchens and, and my dad. Uh, and I didn't come not all of, I don't want to say that I came up with all of it, but I would say the way I contributed to it, uh, you know, a lot of other minds were involved, but especially with the, with the end uh, in the dock of like, Hey, let's get a bar in Georgetown. We have, we have these formal debates. Let's just, create a situation in which this chemistry is going to interact and we're going to document it. We kind of did that with, you know, with this whole adventure. Like, let's do this for our kids and our nieces and nephews and uh, our own kids are going to remember this forever. How do we create these things that will be remembered forever instead of just uh, vanilla milkshakes? Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting how memory works that way with with how many moments you try to grab onto and hold on and they go. But yep. you can actually actually do the things in your kids' lives yep. where they think
1: back on, oh yeah, I remember that family vacation with all my cousins. There's so one, remember- there's one spot on the drive from Moscow to Cordelaine where I vividly remember my dad suddenly just pulling over and we all got out and he gave us oranges. And we were just <laughs> on the north edge of um well, probably more the middle of the Queer d'Alene res. Just I could I could go find the spot right now. I could go drive to the spot. Yeah. Where we all stood on the side of the road and, and peeled oranges yeah. and those, those kinds of moments, having an instinct as a parent to, to create uh, stuff like that. Right. we're at the
0: time of year in the Palouse, you know, when you have to go climb the cut stubble wheat field at least yeah. once with the little kids, cause it's, yep. it's just there. And it does feel like something that if you don't do it's like you, they need to feel it they need yeah, to you they, need to understand like this is your place and have that feeling of like oh yeah of course i've climbed
1: yeah I've, I've done that stuff yeah so all all this to say when you value your moments and you try to see them if the way you look at the past now the way you look at the past with your kids uh in whether you have regrets or you've got things to repent of or you're just like hmm, we didn't avail ourselves and enough of those moments or it's actually uh more of a, I just missed them, they were wonderful. Those yeah. were wonderful moments, but they're, yeah, I missed them and I, I didn't savor them as much as I wish I had in the moment. Yeah. Um, that kind of a thing is best used to inform how you view your present. So realize that future you will look at this day today that way. Right,
0: well, I, I find too, especially as, as a, maybe, I don't know if this is most fathers, but the, the desire would be, no, I don't wanna do that thing because it takes a bunch of work. And I already am so busy, I don't want to do this thing. But you have to see past that. Like, that's a a faithless sort of lazy response. Yeah. Because. Sure, the idea of doing a fishing trip with a bunch of kids who will only tangle the lines.
1: Yep, and that's it.
0: (laughs) That is all that will happen. No fish will be caught. (laughs) Uh, You know, When you start weighing those costs that way, you're right. It's a very single-minded. It's one that doesn't understand compound interest of human lives. Yep. So as human lives build on themselves, they get bigger than that little investment of time at the beginning. Yep,
1: and this goes back to, uh, I mean, the stories, why you read what you read with your kids. Yeah. Because those like I've said before, God made our memories very bizarrely such that fiction sticks in very concrete ways. Yeah. In uh in ways that reality doesn't. And so it's it is funny. Like when I when I've said give him ice cream and read him a story, it, that will mark memory. Like it, it already prof- has. I'm profoundly. sure all
0: of our readers have. I have my kids mem like talking about how they enjoy listening to Harry Potter, but wow, Lord of the Rings with ice cream was better. That's what my yeah, that's what my older kids are saying. You know, just yep. that that feeling of like, hey, we we love
1: it. It's like, Ring. hey, we're doing we're doing it's milkshake and Lord yeah. of the Rings night. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Whatever, whatever you're doing, like the that's why jammy rides are great too, where it's right. like whenever you break routine, yeah. uh, you know, it's like or set a routine I'd say break routine and then set routines that they can anticipate and look forward to. Right. Like both of those things. So pulling over off the side of the road and eating oranges, getting everybody out of bed after they're all in bed for milkshakes and a story time. Yeah. That's a that goes down big. Like those yeah. those things are <laughs> those things are are pretty incredible.
0: That reminds um, me, I think it works with wives too. I think it's something a lot you tend to just think you're <laughs> you know, you're kind of just, oh yeah, of course, both me and my wife are doing my career but that's actually not your career is helping
1: yep. the family go and yeah uh, and there's, so there's been there's been moments too where um when we found out that Heather's mom was sick it was still like it was it was really kind of downplayed it was not a it was not a huge deal and in that moment of I told her I was like okay 100% commitment like we're going to be down there like every chance we get, because I I think this is a much bigger deal. I think this could be really bad, and she died pretty quickly. You know, there wasn't that much time. Yeah, um, and I just I mean, we straight up maxed the credit cards, and we did that before uh, before we were told. Oh, it's really bad. We started going down there. We were just renting beach houses and having this rhythm. That was a really beautiful rhythm with Heather's parents and all her sisters and cousins. And like, there are these amazing memories mm. because we looked at the moment and realized like, okay, we have to really dump into this moment. And you know, it's like, there's, there was zero regret, like absolutely no regret of like, oh, now I'm going to pay off all these cards. It's like, because all of that, uh, yeah, as much as that was not fun, but all, all of that was the price tag for these things that were now, you know, that we did that mm-hmm. were now, uh, no longer doable. Like not one of those trips I would have erased and said, oh man, maybe, maybe one fewer uh, sessions for my, for my kids with their grandmother, maybe one fewer session of, uh, it's like, no, we just, mm. that's what plastic's for Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Snip, snip. Uh-uh. Yeah. But it, anyway, it's, it's that kind of thing. So seeing the moment, oh, my sister and her family, they're in England. My son's best friends in his life, his cousins are all in England. How do I right protect that? How yeah. do I invest in that for him? Um, the price tag goes way up. We could have had a nicer right. car sooner, yeah. Um, <laughs> but we went and bombed around Europe in this, you know, 70 yeah. 17 and, and- passenger van. So I, I mean, that's just just if, if you take away one thing, see your creation of childhoods as performance art. I like that. So. Yeah. One of the
0: most pretentious things I like is TS Eliot's four quartets, just because it's talking about that. I thought you said
1: you weren't pretentious in a previous (laughs) podcast. Okay. (laughs) It's pretentious (laughs) and you like it. I get it. Exactly. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, But that, yeah, that's what he's talking about is how do you, when you're present in a moment, like what is it mean to be present? And then how do you both reflect against all the previous things that came before and continue to look forward? And I think that is a very um he of course he he ties it into god uh, god's perspective on the moment yeah and and that's the true present because it's not you know god's outside of the time and i find that being a very valuable perspective to bring in, in into these things
1: but honestly if if you are viewing the raising of children as performance art and you are able to ask what will i wish that i had done yeah like Tomorrow, what will I wish I did today? In a year, a year from now, what will I wish that I had done today? And if you can get a sense of that, of that is huge. Yeah, and that actually, in in my own like discovery of a brain tumor and our own saga, that never felt very real to me. The whole thing felt staged. All of it was performance art, hmm. and and overwhelmingly. The construction of a chapter that was going to be permanently etched into my kids childhoods mm. so the year da- the year of dad's brain tumor the year of dad's brain surgery the year of oh he might die like yeah. that like how we handled that how i handled that uh how i decided to handle it and and approached it was entirely designed for my kids so that all of all this, of it was for them this is obviously very personal but like
0: did you have two paths of if I do die here, this is how I want this? Yeah, to have I had gone letters. R- I had
1: letters written to my kids. I had the yeah. whole, the whole thing. But it's sort of like, okay, so if I if this is it, if this is the end of the line, what do I want the flavor to have been yeah. going into that? Yeah. And if this is not the end of the line, this was just a pretty traumatic and stressful thing for my kids. How do I want them to now be equipped? For more stress and trauma. Like, how are they going to imprint a reaction? How they handle trial and how they handle hardship. Yeah, because COVID was coming. Yeah. And little, <laughs> little did we know. Yeah. Um, you know, little little did we know at all. And so they have, they really have handled their own struggles with with joy. And so knowing that to waver there, um, really, really clearly, like, if I if I had, like, decided to freak out, if I decided to stress out in that moment that I am creating terrible performance art for my children. Mm. You know, it's like I need to be a character and you have to realize that playing a character is not the same thing as lying or hypocrisy. I wasn't brave facing it. You know, it's like I wasn't, I was a coping mechanism. You have to be full method. You you gotta be full. (laughs) You gotta be full method. And so I was full method. Yeah. The whole way. Um, You know, it's like I laughed the hardest I've ever laughed in my life during that time. Um, It was hilarious. It was great. It was crazy. It was all the stakes were through the roof. Everything was insane. But realizing that I had to be a character in my kids' lives through that time, a specific character in a specific way, and I had to actually be it. I wasn't going to be someone else pretending to be that. I had to be that character uh, for this this trial to bear fruit for it to actually be the right thing in their childhoods to help make them stronger and draw them closer to God and ever into each other and everything else. So it was, um, those, those decisions are extremely practical. Like how, how do you stress out about the bills when financial pressures are on? How do you react to the spill when your kid drops the gallon of milk, when you are being a character, like performance art, how you respond to those things is uh, pretty significant and scale it all the way up to brain tumors and all the way down. Yeah. Uh, to spilt milk. That's so, great. and then what stories you read and what you give them, like what Pavlovian response you give them, this is why ice cream is great. <laughs> uh, uh, so while you yeah. imprint joy of taste while listening, like you actually do associate these things you know, it's Root Beer Floats and Tolkien tonight. It's actually, we're doing Sundays and Tolkien, we do this every Friday. We're, do, we're doing whatever. Yeah. Um, it's like those, those things are, are really, really big and they, they matter a lot in the creation of, of permanent humans who will exist for all time.
0: Well, this is not where I was expecting to go with the Percy <laughs> Jackson episode, but because I never read Percy Jackson, <laughs> but let's but be I honest. I can see you've successfully avoided
1: <laughs> having I, uh, to discuss it. I never read Percy Jackson. I have it on good sources that it's thunderingly mediocre. Yeah, um, yeah. I, have, I have very little respect no. for him no. just with what he's done with the franchise afterwards. Yeah, um, and it's not been a major factor in my kids' lives. Percy Jackson has not been. Yeah. Yep.
0: Well, I think that's all we got. Unfortunately, all we have. Yeah, time you got for. A bolt. We got a bolt, but uh, that's that's good. We got we got somewhere valuable, even if two hundred twenty five million was not.
1: Yeah. So when you're gonna valuable enough, it, if you're gonna read your kids Percy Jackson out loud, just you know do it with things like string cheese, not yeah. the milkshakes, <laughs> <laughs> right? No. Just subliminally like. I think in an undercurrent, uh, establish for your kids what they should be thinking. No, like kids, that. it's treat and book night. It's yeah.
0: string cheese and yeah. No, it's this is that's more of a green, a green bean book. I think.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Green beans are good for you. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Maybe it's the cheese balls, the ones from the dollar store. Dollar but cheese balls. <laughs> dollar store cheese balls. Oh. Yeah. Per- perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. And we're out.
1: Been, this has been SASS episode one twenty-five. Finished. Get us your sound of freedom questions. Oh yeah, that's the lamp pick. Don't forget. Sound of freedom, discussion coming. Get us all your questions. Peace. If you're a
0: SaaS listener who often makes it to the end of these videos and the end of our podcast, when I start talking, you'll know that I'm often bringing up Canon Plus. So I'm going to let you in a couple seconds watch a video that explains why Canon Plus is the premier Christian streaming service for entertainment, education, and theology. Give it a watch and then please come join us on Canon Plus if
1: you haven't already. Does your streaming content make you a better wife and mother? A better husband and father? Or, when you sit down and pick up the remote, does the content you consume attack you? You fat bastard. Is it at war with everything you say you stand for? Does it make you stronger? Does it make your family stronger? How much darkness streams directly into your home everywhere? How much do you pay for the privilege of consuming whatever new dark thing Hollywood algorithms have assigned to you and to your family? Just my two dads and me. It doesn't have to be that way. Canon Plus is building a global platform with one simple goal, to create and deliver great content that will help Christian families grow stronger Content to encourage, equip, challenge, and inspire. Yes, these times are bleak, but the darkness cannot win for long. Light is far more powerful. With thousands of audiobooks, podcasts, truth telling documentaries, and curriculum for all ages, Canon Plus wants to help your family laugh, sing, learn, and grow stronger together. And we're just getting started. We want the resources we produce to help you become a lighthouse in your own community. Armed with courageous joy and faith that burns bright, right alongside millions of others who are just as determined to live in a way that honors God in these dark times. Your own food shouldn't attack you. Not at the table, and not gathered with your family on the couch. We are building a true alternative, and we can't do it alone. We need committed Christian families to build with us. So consider this your invitation. Pop some corn, grab the blankets, and help us build a streaming platform unlike any other. A platform that will strengthen Christians' mind, body, and soul. We saved you a spot on the couch. Canon Plus. Cancel the darkness. Invite light.